Hi, everybody. This is Talking Digital Industries, your podcast, which is taking you for a deep dive on exciting technologies and trends which drive industrial enterprises. I'm your host, Christine Brunner. And in today's episode, we are focusing on the so-called personalized production of goods. Each one of us knows the situation. We are looking for the perfect product. And was it a wishful thinking only a decade ago? We nowadays expect the ideal product in matters of size, material, shape, color, quality, weight, durance, delivery time, and so much more. All of it manufactured to our individual needs. We see this kind of individualization, or we can actually say personalization, already in many areas. Every one of us who has ordered a car lately has experienced this movement to an extensive level. You more or less can design or configure your car. Tremendous possibilities are possible to create what you wish for. And surprisingly enough, you really get delivered what you have clicked and ordered out of these billions of possibilities. And customers are demanding. Their ideas for products are increasing. Multiple possibilities also require multiple ways of producing these products. And therefore, new ways of production are necessary. But how can a production process evolve? What will the future of production look like? What is necessary to meet all these demands? Lots of questions. And to answer all these, two colleagues are joining me for today's discussion round. Lorenz Rappel will share his insights and experiences. He's the plant manager of our electronics plant, a classic low volume, high mix production plant. And I'm really curious which stories from the shop floor he can share with us. So Lorenz, welcome. Hi, Christine. Great being here with you. Nice to meet you. Great that you're joining us. And of course, we want to take a closer look to the visionary side of production. For this, Dr. Ariane Sutor is joining our expert talk. She's an expert for autonomous production and develops and pushes innovations with and for our customers. Ariane, I'm very pleased that you're joining us. Hello, everybody. Great being here with you and looking forward to our discussion. Super. So we're all set. And before we start with our deep dive, dear listeners, a quick side note. In times of distancing rules and regulations due to COVID-19, we're all working from home. Therefore, we cannot guarantee to provide the best audio quality. So please bear with us if it's not perfect or you hear some side nose or some doorbell ring. That's the home office life in 2021. And now let's give it a go. Lawrence, since 2014, you're the head of a production plant in Fürth, Nürnberg in Germany. So many years of experience which come with you. And I assume each year brought and brings special trends and products, not only in the catalogs and shelves where these products are being sold, but especially for those who are in charge of producing these products. Do you see a change in how your plant is producing and which challenges have you met in the past and how did they accompany you over the years in your electronics products plant? Can you share some insights with us? What has changed in the past six years? 
Yes, of course. Since I took over the heading of the electronics plant in Fürth in 2014, there are so many changes uh, in the meanwhile, and especially the speed of change is dramatically increasing. I joined Siemens in 1989, so I am within our company for almost 32 years, and I have gained lots of experience in the automation business in different functions and locations. Especially in our product baskets, the variance is dramatically increasing because of customer-specific requirements and product individualization. So, what is so special about your electronics plant in Fürth? The whole factory is so special, Christine. <laughs> in our electronics plant in Fürth, we are about 700 employees. We have more than 11,000 living products, but we are manufacturing only 3,000 of them in a year. That means some products are manufactured only every two, three or four years. So this is a typical low-volume high-mix plant. So low-volume stands for little amounts, and in parallel, you need to take care of a high mix, meaning like many different types. Exactly. Low volume high mix is, uh, in our understanding, a typical lot size of less than 20 per order. Sometimes we really have lot size one and a huge variance in our factory. The biggest challenge uh, is to manage this huge complexity and to take care of our high amount of administration costs. And I'm really sure only due to digitalization in all our functions and in each department, we will be efficient in the future. So once again, talking about a smart factory, digitalization is the key to success to overcome all these hurdles on the way. Ariane, there are definitely incredible changes which we see. And you're approaching this topic from the science perspective. Being an inventor and expert in this field, do you have any quick solutions handy for Lawrence to meet his customer challenges easily? Yeah, thanks, Christina. You are right. The challenges are definitely huge. So Lawrence has described them vividly and you already explained them in your introduction. So overall, our customers in factory automation are facing severe challenges and severe changes. So end customers are demanding individualized products because they want to have their very personalized thing. They want to design their own very specific product that just serves what they really need. And also in B2B, and that's what Lawrence described, customers have a huge variety of different variants they can choose from, and they require their very specific variants configured to their specific purpose. And it's not just small lot sizes that result from those individualization. It's also product life cycles become more short and shorter and shorter. And so um, overall, factories only have a limited time to produce a certain good. So overall, what is the challenge that results in this? So we are facing shorter life cycles, higher individualizations, and smaller lot sizes. And that means we need a factory that, of course, remains highly productive because productivity is then the overall goal for the factory in the end. But on the other hand, the factory also must be able to react very flexibly to frequent changes in production requirements. And so we have flexibility and high productivity, and we somehow have to achieve both at once, at the same time. 
And now you ask for an easy answer to the challenges. Well, it's probably not an easy answer, but we have a clear vision. And our vision is the autonomous factory. So the autonomous factory is more or less able to do production without manual interactions, without manual changes, and thereby um, the autonomous factory is able to achieve high productivity and high flexibility at the same time. So that's our vision. We are not there yet. So while we have already developed certain puzzle pieces for the autonomous factory, it is still under development, but we are definitely working towards the autonomous factory. And the first approach where we now implement parts of the puzzle pieces for the autonomous factory is with our co-creation um, with the factory in Fürth um, with uh, Lawrence factory and with Lawrence team. And yeah, so we are on our way. All right. So Ariane, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that the solution is an autonomous factory, keeping in mind that there are a lot of changes and um, you'd think that something autonomous is being trained and would not change so easily. So I guess we have accomplished the warm-up phase now and we are diving into details, me asking you now really um, on details. So is it actually common sense that we use and work with our own inventions for our production processes? As you have described, as we have a co-creation with Fürth. Yes, it's our common sense and it's traditionally done over many years in our factories. We've seen Siemens digital industries. We use what we sell and we are proud of our own products and solutions. We use our experience by using these products. We are sharing this experience with our R&D guys, colleagues and departments, and together we innovate our products. This is a great opportunity and a typical win-win situation for us and for our customers. For sure, I do trust someone who tries to sell something to me better if that person or company is using its own products too. Yes, and we do it not only for hardware products, also for software products and digitalization. Let me talk about uh, how we started with digitalization in 2017, four years ago, when we talked about efficiency, productivity, cost reduction, and what's the meaning and the opportunity for our factory is. And you mentioned the buzzword, Lawrence, digitalization. So how did all this come into play? Yeah, that's a good question. And I have the right answer, of course. We started <laughs> with our own definition of digitalization for our special business and our own processes. And we talked with our with other factories within and, of course, outside of Siemens. We made some benchmarks, in, information exchange and so on. And further, we got inspiration from various Industry 4.0 events. We spoke with our management team. We started to look for the right people in our organization who were willing and brave enough to go innovative ways as a team together. We started in all functions and organizations in parallel. It's really very, very, very important to involve all functions and to have the right people in place. You depend in each function and organization on the right people to move forward on this way for the new journey. Only together as a team, it's possible to move forward. Yeah, all right. So you had selected your dream team. What came next? Yes, dream team. It's great. <laughs> During the last <laughs> three years, we realized more than 280 digitalization solutions at single working units. 
This makes me really proud because digitalization is done by people and not by technologies or machines. It's done by people. Mm -hmm. Right. So what did you achieve with your dream team? You reached Champions League? We reached really much. 30% of our productivity is generated by digitalization solutions. That's really fantastic. And a huge level for productivity and efficiency, of course. It sounds like it all is achievable with the right team of pioneers um, looking into one direction. And that requires visionary thinking. Ariane, how do you solve these tremendous requirements which the industry unveils day after day? And how do you prepare for your search for solutions for innovations? Do you have any visionary way of looking at things to create the benefits? Right, Christina. So as we have already discussed, our vision is the autonomous factory. So the factory that does the production overall completely autonomously. And what we achieve with the autonomous factory, as I explained before, is the high productivity and the high flexibility at the same time. And now you might argue that flexibility, that's just something hard that um, yeah, factories unfortunately have to cope with. But I would put it the other way around. So I say flexibility is really a great bonus because with flexibility, we can ensure, so we call this produce what matters. And by produce what matters, we mean that um, we produce exactly what is really needed. And that's a great benefit because end customers get what they exactly want. So the individualized products we talked about before, uh, commercial um, customers and business customers get exactly what they need because they get their specific variants. And also one point I would like really to emphasize because it's um, for me personally very important. Um, if we produce what matters, it means that we use our resources efficiently. So we use exactly what is needed, we produce exactly what is needed, and therefore we also increase sustainability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not, not just for you, for Siemens, I guess for all of us, um, sustainability and, and kind of taking care of all the resources and limited resources we have is key to survive and for the future. Um, in order to give everybody a better understanding now for the technology being used, um, let's just talk about the difference between automation and autonomy in production. What can autonomous systems do for us and what cannot be achieved by them, Ariane? Yeah, very important. Also, let's talk about the basis, the foundation. And for us, the basis for the autonomous factory are autonomous systems or autonomous machines. So autonomous machines are machines um, that can um, decide in a way independently how to accomplish a certain production task. So the autonomous machine does not need a detailed programming and um, top down in detail how to accomplish a certain step, but rather the autonomous machine uses what we call its world model or its digital twin. So it has something internally, some world model, some vision of the world. And then once it is assigned a task, it knows autonomously how to accomplish this. And that can be, for instance, if you take an autonomous robot, then you don't have to tell the robot um, 
grab the thing and move seven centimeters to the right and then three centimeters back. But rather you can just say, take the thing, grab the thing, and the autonomous robot decides independently how to exactly accomplish this task. And this gives us great flexibility because um, we don't have to take care of every detailed step in the autonomous factory, but rather we can have a modular approach. So we have those intelligent autonomous machines who, inter, um, who decide independently and we only have to address them. And so we already hide a lot of complexity by um, hiding the complexity within the independent, within the single machines. And now the autonomous uh, factory um, gets more exciting if we not just consider one single autonomous machine, but rather if we take that to the factory level. So on the factory level, we um, consider the collaboration and the interaction of the autonomous machines and the right sequence of production tasks that is done with several autonomous machines. So what we need for the autonomous factory then to ensure the high productivity, it's an optimal orchestration of autonomous machines, an optimal orchestration to do the right and the best sequence of production steps with several autonomous machines. So that's the one part, optimal orchestration of autonomous machines. And then um, another very important part of the autonomous factory is um, that we also consider engineering. So if we have discussed that for um, this flexible scenario, we have all those frequent changes in production requirements. And if in, this, in such a case, um, we require a complete re-engineering for each production change, then of course the scenario would never fly. So we need a very easy engineering, um, or as we put that, engineering to zero. And with engineering to zero, it's intuitive, it's easy, and the effort is really kept as low as possible. And yeah, so that's uh, more some of the key ingredients for the autonomous factory that we consider. Easy engineering, optimal production execution done by autonomous machines. All right. Um, Ariane, what, what kind of really surprises me is when you say, okay, um, the autonomous machines and the robots, they kind of know what they have to do without that we have to train them. So it's not like what always is being used um, that we say, okay, robots are like little kids. They learn and learn and learn even more. Your smart robots are more like teenagers. They already know a lot and then they kind of get along and around um, with their know-how, um, what they actually um, have gained over the years, right? Well, I guess there are different approaches how an autonomous machine becomes intelligent. So there is also robot teaching where you can have different ways of um, yeah, getting the robot to learn. But um, then there's also the thing where you can already give some knowledge of the world to the robot. For instance, if you use like models of the world, we call this world model and use digital twins. But again, there are different approaches how to make Okay, and just smart. one additional question to your optimal orchestration. Is it a rather classic concert, a jam session or a rock concert, what your robots <laughs> accomplish? <laughs> well, of course, you um, need uh, some classical optimization algorithms and some uh, classical scheduling algorithms um, that help. But what is very important also, 
um, you have to react flexibly, dynamically to um, production um, requirements. Um, so rather than having a fixed routine, a fixed regime upfront, that would not work. But you have to react to the current situation in the shop floor and you have to adapt dynamically to the current situation of the production. So that's very important. And here it gets more to the rock concert. <laughs> okay, now let's talk to our coach on the shop floor again, coming back to Lawrence um, and his dream team. Lawrence, how important is autonomous production for you in your plant? It's really very important, very, very important. Autonomy in a low volume, high mix factory is the next step. And because of the increased demand for individualized products, a key element in our industry. We need to efficiently manage a huge number of different products combined with a large amount of component variances and shorter time to market for product launches. All of this is only possible with autonomous machines the next level of productivity is done by combining all our automation and digitalization solutions together. Ariane also mentioned zero engineering. Can you quickly explain it, what it means by you? Yeah, I can explain it. Uh, zero engineering helps us to avoid much manual work in all our administration areas. For example, assembly instructions, test specifications, uh, programs, those kind of jobs, they are all done manually by our engineers, actually. And the idea is to generate this automatically. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a lot of pressure for you to always create more things with using less resources. So it needs new ideas to accomplish all this. Ariane, these concepts of an autonomous production, how can they be used? Is it a copy-paste process or how do you start when you're planning a project? How do you develop these new solutions for autonomous plants? So our innovation process at Siemens is 100% customer focused. And that's very important to me. So we really start with the customer problem if we start an innovation project. Because technical feasibility is, of course, um, the one part that needs to be ensured. But overall, it's the question, which problem of our customers do we really address and which problem do we want to solve for them? And then it's also, um, of course, um, the question, how can we monetize this? So where come the business models? What's our business plan behind that? But that's again um, the second step. So starting with the customer problem, considering the business um, case and then doing the technical feasibility, that's um, the way we think of if we think of um, innovation and how do we then ensure um, the technical feasibility of course that's important too and so here our approach is to be as practical as possible to be as close to practice as possible and so we create mvps and we really make sure that we create mvps under real world conditions and so that's also why we really have it as a must that we do this with partners with co-creation partners who give us feedback on the real world situation and of course once we have then created the mvp the next thing is to define a scalable product from that such that uh, all of our customers can benefit from it from a new offering and yeah maybe maybe one more word on the co-creation we have already briefly touched upon it 
So um, we are very happy that we um, gained FIRT as our co-creation partner for the Autonomous Factory because FIRT is an ideal co-creation partner here for us. So as Lawrence has described, they have this low volume, high mix. And um, so that's exactly the scenario we are, are addressing. And currently we implement um, our initial offering um, within FIRT for, an, for a use case of assembly and test of certain controllers. And yeah, just let me take the opportunity and say a big thanks to the colleagues in FIRT who support us with all their resources and their space and their invaluable feedback. And thank you very much specifically to you, Lawrence, for all the great support. You're welcome. Yeah, that's cool. I, I can tell um, you all they already have fans for your dream team, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, um, Ariane. So, that's how easy it is. When you talk about it, it sounds like hmm, simple to apply. Um, Lawrence, is it so simple for you? Can you imagine that your complete production will become autonomous? Yes, I can imagine. Uh, from my point of view, uh, I'm really sure. Believe it or not, uh, in many cases and factories, it's definitely a must from my point of view. In some factories, there is a need for an immediate implementation and in other factories, maybe a bit later. But it's very, very important for the future of factories. So it's a must because of time and money and to stay competitive, like flexibility or why? Yes, hmm? I think all of them. I'm absolutely convinced that this technology is the next step to increase efficiency in our factories. It's not done overnight, of course, but done is better than perfect. So we started. We are building up a smart factory inside of our factory and this is how we will manufacture in the future in many more areas and with even more different products. All right, I take this as a clear yes. yes. <laughs> so what exactly does that mean for our customers? What can we offer them and what are their benefits, Ariane? Currently, we work towards a concrete offering and offering for the autonomous factory. So our offering consists of um, what we call the autonomous production engineer. So it's an easy, intuitive tool for engineering of autonomous machines and their skills and their interaction. And the autonomous production dispatcher, which is um, the means for the optimized production execution. And why is it good for our customers? Well, our customers um, in factory automation they have the tools to run their factories efficiently and effectively. And they also have the great benefit um, that uh, with the easy way of interacting um, with um, the autonomous factory, it's uh, accessible for experts, but also maybe for um, people in the factory that have less skills or less experience. And um, yeah, for end customer, of course, it means that they get what they want, their individualized, personal, personalized products. So let's take a look into the future. Which developments do you see, Lawrence? What do you see in your magic crystal ball? That's a good question. Uh, let me start with a step back first. Uh, did you believe that digitalization will change our factories so fast? I for sure did not. So it's quite, answer, quite hard to answer the question uh, in regards of the future. But one fact from my point of view is quite clear. Digitalization is done by people and not by machines. And if we have the right staff joining this change culture process, 
We are able to shape our own future for our factories and of course for our customers. All is super exciting and very surprising to see that it's not a future topic anymore, but influencing all of us already in our daily lives with the products we use. And time flies and we could go on and on talking about this visionary way of producing. Thank you so much, Ariane and Lawrence, for sharing your stories and thoughts with us. It's great for us who listen to you and it's great to learn from you and your wide range of experience. And for sure, we all now will look at the heaps of different but somehow same products which we buy a bit different now. And with all these learnings which we gained of how many assets actually influence the production planning and the process. And dear listeners, if you are interested in diving even deeper into this topic, there is much more to explore on Siemens.com slash Future of Automation. So thank you all for joining and listening. Bye-bye and all the best from your Siemens Digital Industries podcast team. Stay curious, brave and healthy, of course, and stay tuned. There is much more to come.